Hey everyone, welcome to episode 135 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. If you count the old 150, I mean, we're creeping up on 300. So uh, that's actually kind of cool. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Coates, and I'm bringing a friend of mine on, Aram Gregorian, who I've really gotten to know and spend some time with at his event, the Real Coaches Summit last year where I spoke. And Aram is a lot of things. Aram's a nutrition coach, obviously the founder of this incredible event that's going to be going on next year. And... Here's what I love about Aram and I want people to see. You are authentically one of the nicest, most supportive, like responsive, awesome people in the industry. And I've noticed that people gravitate toward you and want to support you because of that. So I actually want to talk about that. But first, welcome. It's great to have you on. Thank you, man. It's uh, to hear that from you is like allowing Jesus to rain down on me at, at the same time. So if, if you think I'm responsive, I mean, that's, that's literally, you know, that's, that's the pot calling the kettle black for sure. Well, it's funny because I actually wrote this and that I saw something on your social media that like spoke to this, right? It was literally about this and it was some, something about coaches talking about how busy they are, but yet they can't respond to their clients in any sort of timely fashion. And maybe there's something here, like, cause again, the audience here is primarily coaches and I know people in the industry who are ultra responsive if i'm asking. like luca is probably one of the busiest humans in our space doing so much stuff but if yes, i pop yes. him a dm or a text luca will respond usually very quickly right and then there are other people that i know have built systems and structure what have you and i know that they're ultimately some of them just have boundaries like they literally kind of create boundaries and they they may or may not respond half the time and these these include good friends of mine but, but I definitely know that there are people who just struggle to be responsive to stuff on media. And it's not like everybody's entitled to access to them. But I wanted to hear your thoughts. Like, if your clients can't get reasonably prompt responses from you, like, that tells me something. What do you think is going on there? I think priority number one is the people that are paying you, obviously. Right. Like the that's your number one priority. Like your responsibility is to those individuals. I don't care if they're paying you 600 bucks a month or they're paying you 200 bucks a month. They deserve the attention that they're paying for and the ability to access you is, I think, the number one thing that will allow them to succeed because they will feel supported in whatever issues they might be having. And then I think the other responsibility you have as a coach, especially in the online space, is if you're creating this online presence and you're trying to offer all these nuggets of information and help and reels and you know, text posts like you and I do, you should also have your DMs open and be engaged with the audience because at some point, like I've had this happen to me multiple times where I've been having DMs conversations with people for months on end with no sales pitch and nothing. And then all of a sudden, a year after our first interaction, I'll see it pop into my email and so-and-so bought a, a coaching package. Because you never they, know. And you have no, happen. And you're not... And like you said, like the thing that you always preach about is just not being transactional. Like I started in this business to help people. If I wanted to get rich, I would have stayed in finance. Now, obviously, <laughs> we have to make enough money to be able to support our lifestyle and to be able to allow our business to grow and to be able to reach more and more people so we can open up that envelope to help people. But if it's only purely about how important you are, how much money you make, it's very easy to see that now. And I think that's a trap people get caught in. I like to talk about, anyone who listens at all knows I will highlight kind of the way that humans are wired to seek status, but the the dangerous trap that getting caught up in status-seeking behavior is. And it goes to what you're saying. I do think sometimes people have their priorities wrong. 
and they they seek the the status growth of things like social media following and they will be more concerned with being in like maybe interacting but speaking to not necessarily responding to but speaking to people that aren't already following yet certainly not your clients in the hopes to bring in more people so that more people bow down at the altar which is not actually how it works outside of like maybe mega celebrities you know and even then like you get mega celebrities look at the rock like look how just like how much he radiates like can't respond to every comment it's impossible but just radiates like positive energy right and i think that it's easy to forget and ignore the person who's already there in front of you except you're taking them for granted and then they're going to notice this stuff if they're not getting the experience of service people crave connection they want they want that right a lot of time you're hiring a coach a lot of the people who are hiring coach have the know-how some don't but a lot do um, they're looking for accountability but they're also looking for a relationship and experience and I agree with you. I think they are your entire priority. My ability to grow a large social media following, and I'm pretty sure yours is, is probably a mirror of this, is because I have a secure, long, long time secure business that tends to be self-sustaining because you take care of your people. There, there's a very established existing core that stays around for a really long time because you focus on them. They're the reason why I can afford to spend some time writing for some of the publications I do, travel to public speaking things, because we don't get paid for these public speaking things. That's time we could work, right? But I don't think in terms of that, it's not It's not like, ooh, what's the math formula on this? What's the ROI on me doing this? I enjoy it. I love coming to it. When I got to go to your event, it was an awesome event. I mean, you did an amazing job at creating an environment that people enjoyed. I mean, it was a very VIP thing. It was top, top shelf service. Uh, you had great speakers and you created opportunities for people who didn't don't necessarily get they're not necessarily on the speaking circuit and they don't necessarily get those opportunities you did have a bunch of more well-known figures you had jordan syatt was speaking you had stan efforting you had jay tata uh, ali gilbert and a few more but you created i think the first opportunity for a lot of coaches uh, and a lot of them were rock stars and it's opened up more opportunities for them like someone like an eve guzman who is absolutely crushing it but i really think Coaches should set aside the craving for status in social media following. And if you show up and you serve the client in front of you and you take the lessons and you put it into social media and you interact with people as they self-select to interact with you, more people will show up at your door. And if you treat those people well, then more people show up at your door. And the secret sauce, the absolute magic to my social media growth has largely been because I am responsive, especially in DMs, right? Thank people for sharing when I know that they have respond to questions, just be thankful that there are that many people who are interested in what I have to say. And I notice that you go about it the same way. I mean, what, why, why the hell else would you be on social media if you didn't want to be able to serve the population that you're speaking to? Like if it's just about posting to get likes and to get follows, it's going to get to a point where it's, it, there's no soul behind it. There's no substance or fulfillment. Like I enjoy being able to spend five or 10 minutes diagnosing somebody's issue through dms that they could have easily googled on their own but they said hey like what do you think about this or what do you think about that and i give them kind of what you do like i prefer a voice note and i'll always ask like are you in a position to listen to a voice note or would you rather be respond with word and most of the time they're like oh yeah sure send a voice note or whatever um so it's just it's nice to know that like i used to have this really weird rule like i would never follow anybody that had over fifty thousand followers mm-hmm. 
And that was because my perception of social media was that if you have over 50,000 followers, you're too important. You don't care about the people you're serving. You're never going to answer a DM. And more often than not, I was actually right about that, unfortunately. But what I've learned from being around people like you, what I've learned around being, you know, some of the people that I asked to speak at my event this year, like, you know, um, Alyssa Lenick and, uh, you know, and Austin Curran and, and Joel Jameson, like, once you once you speak a language that's not disruptive to their way of life or to their energy, they're going to be willing to work with you and help you out somehow. And they'll do it for free because it's funny. If you look at um, a lot of what Alyssa Lennox talks about, she's got a PhD. She's a doc. She's got a doctorate in this. She's got all these different certifications. She's got multiple courses that she sells she's she's got a very lucrative coaching practice and she talks very heavily about protecting her energy and one side of my brain is like well fuck you you're not that important and then the other side of my brain is like i don't even have that problem so how could i dare judge how busy she truly is because the problem is is you only see a snapshot of somebody's life you don't see you know you're seeing that tip of the iceberg always proverbially you're not seeing the bottom underneath the ocean you're not seeing how many hours that they're working how many hours they're sacrificing relationships and time with their family or time with their loved ones or social time or whatever else all you're seeing is whatever they show you and it's very easy to judge somebody by that as opposed to really understanding and giving them the benefit of the doubt so what i've had to do is i've had to change my tune a little bit and i've started to give more people the benefit of the doubt and if they prove me wrong they prove me wrong once and that's the last time there's a number of people who I like to highlight as good examples of communicating about boundaries, both in a way that helps all of us understand that boundaries around our personal time and access to us is valid. Do it in what I think is a positive and empathetic way, not in a condescending way, which I've also seen. And at the same time, our they're, they're good human beings. So I think Molly Galbraith does a wonderful job of this. Um, I think that John Berardi classically has done a pretty good job of this. Jonathan Goodman does a wonderful job. Brett Bartholomew does this really well with his media. There's a handful of other people I think that are exceptional because quite frankly, not everybody's like Luca. Luca just seems to have some magical bandwidth to be able to to do everything he does, right? I, I think I mean, it's that probably, is the Energizer Bunny. Yeah. Right? It's really the Energizer Bunny. doesn't sleep as much as everybody else, but he's getting better. Uh, but I think we can take some really positive lessons. And I, there are things that sometimes I find breach boundaries, but I, I try not to broadcast too much. Like I can sort of say it here. This is like a more of a, a warm audience. But uh, for example, like you and I host events. And so sometimes when when we're talking about the event, we'll get DMs from people and they'll be like, hey, you know, can I come speak at your event? I've got this really great story. And it's like, Oh, and if I went on social media and blast and was like, listen, I don't care about your story. I, you know, when I pick speakers, I'm looking to, here's my criteria, here's my criteria, here's my criteria, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, and what I know is that the people who are doing that, usually there's a status seeking behavior in that. And I, I think also can come from an authentic place. Hey, they want the opportunity. But the question is, have you also been showing up? Have you previously showed up and supported? I look at someone like Eve Guzman, who obviously you had speak at your event and brought a huge following, but she's creating other opportunities for herself because she supports other people, but she shows up, she shows showed up at Raise the Bar and immersed herself in it, this sort of stuff, right? So 
I think a lot of the people who want to be on the stage actually need to be in the audience and they need to keep showing up to be in the audience because that's what I did. I, I never even thought about this. Like when I was asked to speak at my first event in 2019, I tried to turn my friend down. I said, Hey, you know, why don't you go ask Lee Boyce again? Or boy, he's like, no, 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 I want you. So I did it. I, you know, I prepared hard for it. I'm like messaging Luca, like, Hey, what book should I read about public speaking? And sure enough, that was a good move. And it, it rocked and it led to tons of opportunities and then that opened the doors to it. And now I'm very fulfilled by it. Right. But as for example, when you and I connected, because I saw the event, I saw your media, I was like, oh shit, I got to know this guy. So immediately you invited me on a live, you invited me on your podcast, like a lot about how you operate. But I didn't turn around and go, hey, Aram, can I speak at your event? I actually introduced you to friends of mine who I thought would be valuable to you, including my friend, Nick Lamb. And sure enough, you pulled Nick into the event. And then you later turned around, scared I'd be too busy. And you're like, hey man, like, you know, could you possibly, I, I got a spot. If you, and I'm like, yeah, man, I'll make it work. I'd love to. And it was a dynamite experience, right? Like I loved it. It's uh, it's funny because I still, I mean, I think we all suffer from this to some extent as coaches. And it's one of the main reasons why I even host this thing is a lot of us don't think that we're good enough or that we don't know enough or that we're not important enough or like how dare people pay us money for something that they could just Google online. And there's other people that, walk into the room and they may not know half of what we know but they're so damn confident that it just radiates and pours off of them and there's and there's some of the most high ticket coaches that we know and i still struggle with that to some extent like i i was at an airport i don't know like three months ago and some woman literally grabbed me by the arm as i was walking by her and she's like you're four weeks to the beach and i was like holy like it was like my first like celebrity moment like i had this woman who doesn't know who i am who recognized my face from social media and was like i love all your stuff and we had like a five minute conversation. And I said, if you ever have any questions, I'd like DM me. But like, we don't realize the amount of impact that we're truly having on people if you're doing it the right way. And I don't ever let that make me forget where I came from or who I am as a person. And that's the issue is like, I don't, I think money is a, is a loudspeaker for who you are. Like the more money you make and the more status you have, the more it amplifies who you truly are and what your potential is. Because I think this idea that like money makes you an asshole or if you get rich, then you become this like unapproachable person. You were probably that way to begin with already. And this just made it worse. Whereas for me, I don't need a ton of money to survive. I don't really make that much money. I'll be very honest with people on, on your show. A good month for me is maybe 20 grand of revenue and a bad month for me is maybe 10. So I'm doing better than your average American is. Hmm. But I also have a ton of expenses. I have systems I have to pay for. I have, a, I have an apartment in California that I have to pay for. I bought equipment for a home gym that I have to pay for. I'm $25,000 in debt for my event. So people, you know, people will hear a number of like 20 grand in revenue a month. They're like, well, why am I not making that? It's taken me 15 years to get to that point. 15 years. People don't want to remember. Like I started as an, I'm an in-person personal trainer. I started the same way you did. And I just went online in 2019 because I lost my whole in-person business moving from Connecticut to California, where I was making 160 grand a year in cash, which I wasn't <laughs> claiming an ounce of. Sorry, US government, <laughs> but I wasn't. And now I had to basically force a restart completely at 37 years old. Mm. How many people can't even get out of their own way to change their nutritional habits at 40 years old, let alone their entire life and their whole career? So anybody that's listening that's disappointed about where they're at in their career. Just don't stop. Just keep doing the things that you know you're good at and just pour all of your energy into that bucket because once you become the authority figure in that thing, 
and people are you are the person that people go to when they need that information, they'll show up with their wallets at some point. But you have to give a lot to get a lot. It's building a bank of grace with people. And this is one of my fundamental philosophies. And I'm actually going to, I'm building um, a talk and this is a kind of a big piece of it. It's, I, I really believe if you go about your interactions with the person in front of you, and I mean, yes, there literally are limits to just how much energy you can give and time to every individual person. But if you approach individuals, but the greater universe as Making deposits in a bank of grace. So Alex Hormozzi talks about something very similar, and, and, and it's always been my philosophy, and I like the way he frames it. But a lot of people, any grace they earn, they immediately withdraw it by sell, 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 sell. And there's a lot of people who live in a constant state of overdraft, which, trust me, people sense that with you, right? They sense desperation. They sense sales. But if you just go about this way with the universe, whether it's writing, sharing free information, podcasting, long-form media, your social media, et cetera, and you do it consistently without resentment because you find fulfillment in it. And then you realize that people, like you said earlier, are being positively impacted by this. People will message you, maybe unpredictably, but consistently you will get people showing up at your door. And I think if you're taking <clears throat> care of the person in front of you all of the time, then you should have a stable enough foundation and I, I think people are in a rush and I know, I understand the coach coming in and it's like, oh, I, I'm not making any money. I need to make money. It's like, we all started there, right? And part of it is, and I, I still think that spending some time at a commercial gym in an environment where you're going to gain a lot of experience and sales experience quickly is probably still one of the most important things. Another Hormozy concept where early on, you're going to make less money but you're being paid in terms of what you're learning, these essential skills that will serve you for a lifetime. And that that's where I started. And I don't like gatekeepy like language because the way it was always done, but I understand how valuable that experience can be because it's going to slingshot you ahead on the amount of time and touch points you're going to get on these essential skills, which is the experience of coaching people, the experience of sales and that stuff, that stuff will take you through the rest of your career. That's the foundation of your career. And I also think there's an element of experience that you'll never get anywhere else when you're living in that real world environment. Like I actually wish that in the United States, you had like a choice at 18 years old. It was either like you go to college or you spend two years in the military or you spend two years working at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Like those are your three options. And if you don't pick one of those, like you're basically just screwed because the life skills that you'll learn in any three of those, I mean, I'm going to say, and this is going to probably offend some people, but like college, the college environment to me is bullshit. Like you don't really get yourself set up for life by going to college. You essentially learn a lot of stuff that you're not really ever going to apply. Like I was an economics major. I was in finance for six years. Nothing that I do today came from my college education. Everything that I do today came from my work at a deli at 30 years old when I couldn't hack it in finance, or it came from working with people that were smarter and better business people than I was, who essentially made me feel like the stupidest person in the room. And you need to feel like the stupidest person in the room for a little while, because if you always feel like you're the best person in the room, where's your growth potential ever going to be? And you're always going to believe that you're, you're sitting on top of this mountain that's not really real. Whereas I like operating from a place of having my back against the wall because I like knowing that it can all be taken away from me at any moment. And if, if, if I'm always comfortable, I'm never going to be really 
trying for anything more or trying to sharpen my skill sets. Like the amount of people that have DM me and asked me about like how many CEUs my events going to be able to give them. I'm like, I can't tell you the last time anybody asked me what my certifications were. I mean, most of them have lapsed anyway. Like my NASM is gone. My CrossFit level one is gone. I think my CFSC is forever. And I, at Precision, I had to redo, but that was 10 minutes online. Mm. My NCI, I think, is going to be forever. But like nobody cares. Like I think people understand. You earn trust by showing up every day and speaking about things that are relevant to people. I don't think you earn trust by having a shit ton of letters after your name. If you're only going to events... They're going to accredit you and you're not going there for networking. You're not going there for immersion. You're not going there for communication and access to people that are better at, you, at, at what you do than you. Then what's the point? Like you can go and earn letters anywhere. You can go pay for them. It's not that hard. You get more from meeting, interacting with, being inspired by connecting with the people who are sitting next to you at these events than you will from the things you'll be set, that will be set on the stage. Now, you can learn a lot from the people on the stage. But there's a little bit of <clears throat> the experience of amping you up. It's it, it, There's always going to be an element of Tony Robbins, rah, 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 like light people up, get them excited. And you go, then you go home afterwards and, you know, you got a bit of motivation, but you emotionally crash. But I'm also a big believer. You expose yourself to enough positive stuff. Some of it seeps in, <clears throat> some of it takes hold. It influences your attitudes, your philosophies. I'm actually much bigger on attitudes, philosophies, than I am on specific tactics when it comes to a lot of things. And it's how I teach stuff about brand, media, social media, certainly training principles. Obviously, there's some certain tactical stuff as well. But tactics, especially when it comes to media and brand stuff, they change over time. Whereas overarching principles and philosophies like literally building a bank of grace with people, that is an absolute timeless principle. Right? Chat GPT cannot erase you building a bank of grace and not taking every chance to sell and make withdrawals from that bank. And you also can't be afraid of what other coaches are doing. I think a lot of coaches are kind of like comparing themselves to other coaches that might be more successful or that are making more money or whatever else. Like when I started speaking to Jared Hamilton, when you, when you set me up with him, here's the guy that makes an inordinate amount more money than I do on a monthly basis because he has a team of people. He's got, you know, shit, two, 300 clients at a time. And here's a guy who's asking me hat in hand how I was able to be able to build out an event that he had no idea how to even start with. And I'm like, <laughs> right. dude, I had no idea what I was doing either. I just, I had an idea which turned into an action, which was, hey, call a venue that you think is going to be cool and ask them how much it's going to be and what the details they need for me are. And literally within a week, they were asking me for $75,000 in deposits over the next six months. And I didn't even sell a ticket yet. I didn't even know the event didn't exist. <laughs> and I think so many coaches are afraid to either start coaching practices or they're afraid to ask for money because they haven't done it for long enough yet. But it's like, how are you going to actually become an authority unless you start doing the thing? So as imperfectly as humanly possible, you're just going to keep trying and trying and trying. And I wish I can go back three years and take some of my old people back and just say, Hey, come, come with me again and coach. I'll coach you for free because I didn't do right by you the first time because I didn't know enough about your condition. And now I do. But unfortunately, sometimes when that time lapses, those people might not be willing to come back because maybe their experience wasn't as good as it should have been. But that's the thing is like, you're going to, you're going to not always have the right answer and you're going to fuck up sometimes. And you're not going to have somebody's best interest in mind because you might not know any better. 
but that shouldn't stop you from trying. Like you're never going to be a perfect coach. You're never going to be perfect at your nutrition. You're never going to be the best person when it comes to working out. But as long as your, your mindset is in the right place, your intentions are good, which I think is huge. It's like, what is your intention behind what you're trying to do? And are you really caring? Cause you can't teach somebody to care about people. Like that's not like a tactic or a skill set that you just walk into a room and be like, how do I learn how to care about people? How do I learn how to be authentic? You can't. You either are because that's who you are by nature or you're not. And that's unfortunately the thing that holds a lot of people back is they're trying to be authentic or they're trying to care when in reality, it's just not their priority. Yep. And you you said something interesting earlier and I want to point this out too. Like Jared Hamilton, great guy. And I'm really glad to, to connect you guys. And again, like you'll hear the numbers on the, the scale of the business stuff, but they're paying teams, they have expenses, right? So revenue is not take home. Now, Jared does well, but when you're talking about the amount of money you're making every month, we see business coach advertising all the time. Now, listen, there are literally good people who coach other coaches on the business side, but I found usually they are still working in the business, whether it's P2P, Luke Hosevar, Mark Fisher, et cetera. They own gyms and Luke is still coaching on top of it all. But when you see this hustle and and sizzle stuff on social media about like someone's like, you know, $10,000, first $10,000 a month or first $50,000 a month, a lot of the time that's selling very large packages up front. And that's like a one-time thing. <clears throat> then someone is bragging about how much they made. It's like, mm, there's a lot of times where that's very, that's very unsustainable. And the way that it's done is not necessarily the way that you, your integrity may want to operate. So I, I think approach that sort of stuff with caution, because it goes to what you're saying about you, you see all this stuff on social media and you think all oh, these people are doing better than you. Probably not. Some of it's performative. People, people really want to make a big show of how well they're doing. I have had conversations with very, very smart, successful people in the industry. And the temperature of what's going on in our industry right now is it is down. Okay. Not everybody is doing as well as they're showing on their media or, or like to pretend. I mean, I, I've always felt my business was pretty comfortable and I've had a great first half of the year, but I've got a lot of people on vacations or some stuff going on. Some people are not able to continue. So I'm going to have a quieter June or sorry, July than I'm kind of used to. Now I feel good and I'm not worried because I'll keep doing all the things I'm doing and it gives me more time to work on some of the projects I've got, some upcoming speaking stuff. But there, there's there's like peaks and troughs. And, you know, I, even I'm feeling a little bit of a trough relative to, to how I've been for the last little while. But I'm not worried about it. But at the same time, I also don't make a big show of, I don't drive a Lambo. I will never drive a Lambo that I can foresee. Uh, you know, I'm not posing against this thing on my media. Like when you see that kind of rubbish, that's a red flag that someone's full of shit. Okay. I will make the exception of Andy Morgan. My buddy Andy Morgan likes his expensive cars in Japan. Andy's Andy's like the real deal. He's good stuff. So shout out to Andy. Uh yeah, it was funny. Um and Brad Dieter, fuck I, I Brad Dieter also, he owns on top of like running macros inc, he owns like a uh, like an exotic car like dealership thing. So he likes his exotic cars. But Brad is a fucking nicest human on the planet. He's not showy about it. Sorry. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely ways of going about it. Like I think at the end of the day, like it's nice to be able to kind of revel in your success a little bit. Like it's nice to be able to celebrate how far you've come. Like I never thought I'd be at this, like I never thought I'd be living in San Diego. I never thought I'd be able to 
monetize a passion. I never thought I'd be running my own business. Like my my parent, immigrant from Russia that came here when I was five years old in 1989 with literally nothing. Like every penny we had was stolen in Italy on the way over here. We came here with four suitcases and that was it. And like, I watched my parents work three jobs for my entire life until I was in my teens. And I, 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 but I still feel like I felt back then. That's how I feel. That's how it, it's almost like when you see somebody who loses like 200 pounds or hundred pounds, they still see themselves as that fat person in the mirror. Like I still see myself as that poor struggling kid who watched his parents work. So I take that into every interaction that I have when it comes to making money. Like I don't, I live for every day. I spend what I need to spend. I don't have extravagant tastes. For me, it's all about experience. Like if I could pay for an experience as opposed to paying for a thing, like the things don't fulfill me. The experiences, like that's why I don't mind spending a thousand bucks to go travel to an event because A, I'm going to be surrounded by people that are like-minded. I'm going to be interacting with people in my business that are hopefully lend me some nugget that I can take home and apply to my own business and my own living. Um, I'll have the opportunity to learn from people that are much better and more successful than I am. And I'll be immersed in a crowd that I really enjoy being around. So for me, that's, I, I get a lot of fulfillment and I, that's my social hour too. Like I go to these events hmm. to be able to have fun and talk to people that I think are cool because I don't want to go and hang out at all the bars here in San Diego three nights a week. Cause that's not, an, that's not my crowd. Like, I don't want to just have drinking buddies. I want to have people that are going to fill my cup. And that I can kind of interact with on a much more personal basis. So I think a lot of people are hesitant to travel to these things because of the, the financial implications. Like I got to get a flight, I got to get a hotel. Then the tickets for the event is five or six hundred bucks. Like, what's the point? Well, the point is, is the more of these things you go to. Like I've learned more by interacting with people at events and then consuming more of their information directly because I know it related to me than I ever did in any certification class and anything that I've ever done. So people that are reluctant to spend this money, you'll make it back 10 times over. Absolutely. I mean, all of the all of the fun extra things that I get to do in my career that are fulfilling are either the direct or indirect result of having traveled to and attended these kind of events. I love them. So I mean, we may as well shout yours out because yours is going to be what? Early March? March 11th and 12th are the days of the actual like informational part of it. Yeah. Right. And that will be in Vegas. Yep. At the Virgin Hotel again. again. At yep. the same hotel. Okay, cool. Yep. And then, yep. so, I mean, you've got Joel Jameson in the lineup, <clears throat> Dr. Alan Bacon, Beth Farocco. Um, I mean, who, who else you got? Susie Spurlock, uh, uh, Alyssa Olenek, um, Danny Matranga, uh, Jamie Filer, Amber Brisecki, who's biceps after babies uh esther bloom who's a uh a pretty awesome expert when it comes to menopause um we have sean pastuch who's in my opinion one of the greatest tacticians when it comes to business and, and coaching out there i mean the guy's brilliant in my eyes uh austin current who's like the godfather of programming he's awesome um you know i gotta pull up the uh the very extravagant list of people here because I, I, I don't want to forget anybody. Uh, Casey Samsel, who people might not know, she's in the bodybuilding space, but she deals a lot with um, with body image and body dysmorphia and just the female mindset surrounding those things. And then uh, Jason Brown, who's awesome at, at training programming as well. So it's a really well-rounded group of people that I think, and Shante Cofield, also who I met last year at Raise the Bar, 
it's just it's it's a group of people that I think are very good at what they do individually, and then they're going to be able to stay in their own lane very very well. And I asked them specifically to come because I knew that everybody has their own thing that they're good at, and I want them to speak about the thing that they're good at as opposed to trying to overreach and do something that doesn't really pertain to them. Like I don't want there to be a ton of business coaching at this event. I want there to be a lot more tactical application to anybody that's feeling any ounce of imposter syndrome. I want that to be erased by the end of those two days. I want them to feel like they've gotten the tools, the tactics, and then also the access to further education from these professionals that if they wanted to dive deeper into a subject that they weren't aware of, they have the tools to be able to do that now. Oh, you have a dynamite lineup. <clears throat> Joel Jamison's a really good friend. I mean, he's the world's leading authority on energy systems and conditioning, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jason Brown is great. I mean, he and I are the same generation of Teen Nation writers. The, the guy is just prolific with what he puts out. Beth Rocco is awesome. Alan Bacon's awesome. Like on and on and on. You just ha you have a really great crew. Uh, some of them I don't know, but I'm excited to beat them. It is my intention because so. So for people that um, might have seen this event, you have an entirely brand new set of speakers, which is unusual for these events, but it's actually a cool concept. So I spoke last year. So it's my intention to come and just hang out and be present next year. And I'll be speaking at Raise the Bar two weeks prior. And Raise the Bar tends to be a bit more kind of on the, the career development, like almost like the business side of stuff. So I think the events complement each other well. Like they were literally a week apart last year, yet you still showed up to Raise the Bar. So it kind of says a lot about you as well. And so what has putting yourself in this space, embracing social media, you know, having this event and connecting with people, what kind of opportunities has this led to? Because I see you're speaking at Coach Catalyst's event. So I'm going to be on the panel at Coach Catalyst. So Kevin Deneen was the first invite to anything. Like when I had reached out to Kevin. Yep about the St. Louis fitness conference. Um, it was literally just to ask him about what the details were of the event. Cause it seemed interesting because Ali was going to speak there. Jill was going to be there. And I just, I like being in those rooms and Dr. Michael Hyman was going to be there. Who's an awesome cardiologist that I wanted to learn from also. And then Kevin was like, if you want, I'll, I'll have you on the panel, which I didn't expect. Now, granted it's, it was a room of by that point, it was probably maybe 10 people left. Mm. What I've, what I've learned and I've done this locally, like I, I'll hold I'll offer seminars, free seminars to places like Orange Theory and F45, which is, by the way, if you're a coach anywhere and you're not doing that as a way to get yourself out there, start. Like reach out to your local Orange Theory, especially because they're not allowed to talk about nutrition, but they are allowed to bring in outside vendors and they will let you do it for free. Whether it's you just doing an hour presentation, whether it's you doing a Q&A, whether it's you sitting there and handing out free information, they will let you do it. So definitely reach out to your local places like that and, and offer that to them. But I've, I've showed up to these seminars where 20 people signed up to be there. And then one person showed, which a lot of people would be like, well, fuck that. I'm canceling. And I'm like, no, I don't care if it's one person. I don't care if it's zero people. I will go and show up and speak like I promised to. And if that means that I just have a camera on me recording me doing it, it's a dry run for something bigger at some point, hopefully. So I don't think you should ever be pissed off because a lot of the speakers, even last year, because I had those three different rooms and those three different rooms were three different sizes. And a lot of people were like, well, what if I only get this many people in the room? I'm like, I don't care. That's not my responsibility. If people don't want to be there to see you, it says more about you than it says about them or my structuring of the event. So whether you have 55 people in front of you, 155 people or five people, it shouldn't discount what you present on stage and it shouldn't discount you as a professional.
it's funny because I was only able to come down for the one day and most of your speakers had two or even sometimes like three speaking slots across the, the days. And uh, so anyway, the goal was to have the attendees obviously could choose between two or three rooms, but because of the options, they could probably, if they had two speakers they really wanted who were at the same time, well, they could catch the, one, the other one at a different time. But I, I was only able to appear once. So you had me at the, the closeout the first day. It was funny. So main room, and it was actually pretty packed. So I was pretty stoked about that. And then it's funny. I was sitting well, down having uh, dinner with gonna, What's that? I was going to say, so to add on to that, and something that budding coaches need to understand. So I had I had put Jade Tita and Jordan Sai at the same time slot at the end of the last day. Mm-hmm. So here's JT, who's an OG in the space, who's been around forever, over 100,000 followers, multiple seven-figure businesses. The guy doesn't need any more clout than he already has. What did Jay do? He realized that Jordan was going to get a lion's share of people. There's probably going to be nobody in his room. So he went upstairs, he got a cocktail, and he sat in the back of the room and hung out. And he didn't even do his last presentation because he knew there would be nobody there. So what's the point? And he just at least supported the other person who was on stage as opposed to getting butthurt about it, as opposed to being like, well, what the fuck? Why did you put me alongside Jordan Syatt? It doesn't Jade matter. Jade is the nicest person. He is exactly. literally the nicest person, right? And as I, I had uh, dinner with Jordan Syatt and Kate Callahan and Brad Jensen the n- night before. And uh, actually, yeah, it was that night. Anyway, so, and of course, Brad had realized that one of his speaking slots was opposed to mine. And because I was only doing one, he's like, oh, shit, because <laughs> he wanted to see it too. But he knew it was going to happen, but he got people to. He's a great guy. Anybody who's not following Brad should. The Sober Bodybuilder is an awesome human. It did a killer yeah. job with last year's event. And obviously, it was something I was excited about. And I was honored to, to get an invite to be a part of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to supporting it. And I want to bring you on. So, we could shout it out. It's a little ways off, but guys, put make sure you're following Aram. Um, you know, put this stuff in your calendar, you name it. And I'm really excited to see the stuff that's been going well for your career. Getting a lot of really great connections. A lot of people are kind of catching on to what you're doing. Because I, I will call you out on this. Aram does something similar to me, where he puts the ideas forefront on his media. It's a lot of text-based stuff, as you alluded to but you don't put your picture or your name on your slides. And that actually is a valuable thing. So that way people can identify. I'm like impressed that some, you know, a follower found you at an airport randomly, right? At least with the, like the Twitter graphic, it worked. Actually, one of the reasons why it works so well is because it makes the thought the star of the show, but your name's on it, right? And I'm a, personally, to any coach, I'm a big believer. It's okay to brand around it. But I think the mistake most p- coaches make is they make their media all about themselves, right? And I'm going to give an example, and this will kind of drive it home. So I recently, like literally less than two weeks ago, I had a, I was asked to create a workout for Arnold Schwarzenegger's email newsletter, which goes out to I saw that. hundreds of thousands of people. Now that's a nice feeling. That's a good feather in the <laughs> Hell yeah. So that morning, you know, I announced whatever, John Goodman messaged me. He's like, hey, you know, what, what do you think you're going to get in terms of like followers? Because the email linked back to my to my Instagram. And I had received the lowest number of new followers that I had in a month on that day because people weren't there for me. They're there for Arnold. They're there for his brand. Maybe they (laughs) used the workout. Maybe they didn't in the newsletter, but the people who self-select because they're there for Arnold, Arnold's a super celebrity. So people actually do want a relationship with Arnold, but, and, and some of the people who consume our social media really like, like us, but by and large, most people are showing up for how it makes them feel. So, and this is the thing I think people make the mistake of and the ones that show up for social media and they just want people to follow them and they don't want to be of service. 
like people are actually there for how, and this is cliche, this is not my original idea, but people are there for how you make them feel. If you share ideas that resonate with them and they can share, and then they get like, they're generating social status by sharing these things within the people in their world, then they feel good. So they like what you're doing. And then with time, they may also get pieces of you. So I really am a big believer that the best way to approach this stuff is to consistently share great ideas, great information. And for anybody who is looking to blow up virally, one of the worst things that could possibly happen to you, right? Because especially if what you blow up on, let's say you, uh, there's a in there's a, a guy who talks a lot about social media stuff. His name is Brock Johnson that I follow. Brock's a really smart dude. And he talked about recently how he's restarting his TikTok because very early on with his TikTok, he did have a viral video, like a massively viral video, um, massive following surge. But the, the video itself wasn't really on brand for him. It wasn't about what he did. So therefore, those followers who showed up <clears throat> weren't interested in what was on his on brand for him, which was his content about social media. And so they weren't engaged with what he was doing. And I've seen this happen. Like I, I've got a friend, great guy, and I saw that he shared a a reel, and it was so, you know, other people. It wasn't him. Other people, like famous people, talking some sort of famous quote, and it caught on reels, and it went mega viral. And I think he gained five, six, seven thousand followers in the space of like a couple weeks over it. But everything else he puts out, because that wasn't really like who he is. And you tried to replicate it, catch again, but nothing was catching. So his engagement is very, very low. And you have to consistently show up. And I would rather have this be a slow build over time, even despite the fact over a few years, mine has done well. A dedicated slow build that you're developing a relationship with people, you're sharing wisdom ideas, and then you also sprinkle in bits of you. But I think a lot of people are, are too caught up in trying to, I want to be the star of my show. That's actually not the best way. I think you really need to make your your ideas, the way you help people, the way you make them feel the star of the show, and you can sprinkle you in. And you do this. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll throw myself in my story sometimes, and I do it more more satirically, and I do it on a comedy because I'm just, there's a lot of points of this industry that frustrate me. And that's, you know, like the post yesterday where I was like, you know, I wonder why people are so busy, but they're not answering their clients. Um, And that to me is just like, it's just, I call people out I'll, just like I'll call my clients out. If they're not doing what they're supposed to do, I'm not going to be an asshole to them, but I'm going to be very honest and upfront with, with what you're not doing and what your expectations are unreasonably asking for. So when it comes to social media or it comes to money or it comes to growth or whatever, it may not take you the same amount of time it took somebody else. Like Jordan side admits that he got lucky. Like that's the one thing that he'll always say. And he's like, I got big because I got lucky because I got an opportunity to work with Gary V. You know what I mean? Like he would not have been the Jordan side that we know today, probably if he hadn't worked with Gary V. Right. So and that's true. The- but he was put himself in a position to benefit from luck. Cause if anyone's heard the story, he was sharing content. He was writing articles. Mike Vacanti was someone who found him early. That's how right. that connection happened. And every step of the way, what has Jordan done? Built long-form content, built business, all this sort of stuff. Everything he's touched has turned to gold. I really believe that Jordan site would have been a very big authority in our space without Gary. I really do. It might not be the same, but I truly do believe that he kept showing up yeah. and he put himself in a position to benefit from luck. We're saying the same thing, but 
I, I no, think that absolutely. Jordan actually worked really hard for it. And I think he's one of the best examples you could look at to build a, a, a model of your career after. Yeah. And the funny thing is when I first met him, I met him at Kate Callahan's event in person last October before she came to mine. And I literally said to him, as soon as I shook his hand, I'm like, I thought you were going to be the biggest douchebag on the planet. I, that's what I thought. And, and but my my misguided perception was because he had such a large following that he probably thinks he's so important because these were my misconceptions. It was my problems, not his. So I was projecting that onto him. And he's like, dude, I get that all the time. And he shook my hand and we've been buddies ever since. Like he's not like a best friend of mine. Like I don't show up at his house. I don't text him on a daily basis. But I know that if I needed to ask him a question or if I knew that needed some access from him, he would be cool enough to respond. And when I had asked him to speak at my event, I essentially begged him and told them I couldn't pay him. Uh, and I got on the phone with his assistant, like, I don't know, a couple of months prior. And I said, I would really love to have Jordan come. Best I can do is pay for his hotel room. I can't pay for his flight. I barely could be able to afford to pay for his room. And I said, I'm I'm, going, I'm coming to you hat in hand. Like, this is this is literally just the last ditch effort. If you take it or leave it, I'm sorry. This is all I can do. And he confirmed the next morning and, and he showed up and it was great. And but I think the problem is, is that like people are just not honest enough about their situation. Like I tell everybody with full transparency what's going on. Like I tell people how much the event costs me. It's not out of pity to get them to buy tickets. It's so they understand the scope of what's happening. Like I'm offering you two days of education, all your food and an open bar for 548 bucks. Like, I'm sorry. Like if, if that seems expensive, go to another event and tell me how much their VIP costs. I had an incredible time. You save because of everything you included. I had an amazing time. I was pissed I couldn't stay for another day. Aram, you have to go to a client. Where can people find you online so they can follow more of your stuff? Guys, everybody listening, literally go follow him. He's a sweetheart. He does awesome shit in the industry. You're going to want to know about his event. Please go check him out. Most of my stuff is on four weeks to the beach at four weeks to the beach. The number is four, the number two. Uh, if you just type in the number four weeks, it'll probably pop up. You'll see my very very hairy phantom face on there uh the event is the real coaches summit 2024 but the website for it is the real coaches summit 2023 because i couldn't change the domain name this year <laughs> and i'm locked i'm locked into that domain name on on squarespace now forever so it is what it is oh well my fault it's just it's just like remember that big uh, poster board that people were taking pictures in front of last year yep I had paid for that to get made with the 2023 logo. And then my podcast partner, Jimmy was like, you're an idiot. Why did you put 2023? Cause you could have used this every single year, not just throwing it out. So yes, we're learning as we go here, folks. And uh, the only message that I really want to leave your audience with Andrew is that like, you just have to be humble about the opportunities that you get and don't do it from a place of trying to be humble, do it because you truly are valuing every opportunity, whether it's somebody asking you to come on a podcast, whether it's somebody asking you for advice on Instagram, don't discount anybody because the more doors you close, the more they're going to stay closed. But the more you at least try to keep every opportunity open, you'll then have the luxury of filtering out what's best for you and what's not. That's when you get to the point where you are becoming the Molly Galbraiths of the world and the Luca Hosts of ours. You get to pick and choose what they get to do. But even they're still doing it with open hearts and open minds. So just don't understand that you're never going to be bigger than this industry. There you go. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. If you are someone who is a long-time listener, like I said, go follow Aram. And if you are someone who is finding my podcast from Aram's media for the first time, scroll through 
my list of guests. You're going to find a lot of people you like. You might stick around. Um, I think there's, I take pride in this thing. I've enjoyed doing this for a really long time. So thank you so much. And I will be back with another great episode in a week.